Hello, good day to everyone, and welcome to another episode of Reader Thou on Air. My name is Jeff. I am the COO of Breeder Dow, and tonight I will be moderating this special episode of Breeder Dow on Air. Quick reminder for everyone to please don't forget follow us on our socials. You can follow us on Twitter under the bio. You'll see a link tree. You can find our Discord, join our community. You can also join our Telegram groups if that's what you prefer. I personally prefer Telegram. And if you're not following us on Twitter, please do so. It's at BreederDAO. Turn on your notification bell so you never miss the latest news. For tonight, we'll start off with an initial interview with a very special guest. And then we'll open the floor for questions for the community. We encourage everyone to keep sending in your questions in our Discord server, or you can raise your hand right here so we can bring you up on stage, hear your voice, and you can ask your question live. Okay, so tonight's guest is a very, very uh, nostalgic guest to me. It brings me back one of the very, very first investments of BreederDAO. In fact, it's the very first investment of BreederDAO. We have Alan from Cypher. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Hi, Jeff. Nice to see you again. Yes, sir. It's nice to see you again. Um, before we get into it, I'd just like to know, is it... Alain or Alan? Uh, it's a French name, so actually it's Alain, but uh, everyone calls me Alan. It's much easier to pronounce. So you can call me Alan. Alan, okay, I won't embarrass yeah. myself though trying to pronounce your French name, so we'll stick with Alan if you don't mind. Thank you so yeah, much. please. <laughs> okay, Alan, well, for those of our listeners who do not know, uh, why don't you tell us more about yourself? Yeah, sure. So, hi everyone. My name is Alan Ola. Despite the French name, I'm a German-born Vietnamese. And I moved to Vietnam in 2008, so 14 years ago. And yeah, I'm currently the head of partnerships and B2B at Cypher and one of the core members at Cypher. Awesome. Can you... Tell us more about your journey. How did you end up in crypto? Any prior gaming or professional experiences that led you here? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, I think I should make it shorter than it is. So how I ended up in crypto. So I heard about Bitcoin like a while back, like in 2015. Um, back then... Um, I did like a co-working space with our current CEO and founder Cypher Din. And yeah, we did like a co-working space called Dreamplex, which is like a WeWork, which also hosted like uh, the former US President uh, Barack Obama back then. And yeah, through the co-working space, I've met like the owner of Bitcoin.vn, the Vietnamese Bitcoin site. And yeah, he was so fascinated and excited about like blockchain technology and bitcoin he wanted to put the very first bitcoin atm at dreamplex but it was 
too early back then, 2015. So there was not a lot of like uh, demand for that. So I forgot about it. And uh, it was like in 2017 when I discovered crypto again for myself. It was when I got into crypto actually because um, of the banking system here, because I had some funds in Singapore and I moved them to Vietnam. And I wanted to send those funds back into my Singaporean bank account. But uh, because of the banking regulations, there were some issues. So that's how I got into crypto because a friend of mine, he's been in the space since 2013, 2014. He went through like the Mt. Gox hack and everything. And he said like, yeah, you can definitely send your money back to Singapore. No issues. I do it uh, through crypto. And I'm like, okay, how does it work? Yeah, I, I will show you. And yeah, since then I uh, read more about cryptocurrency, blockchain, like almost every day, became like a day trader trade during the day and at night i was running like a nightlife venue like a night uh, club and a lounge so during the day educating myself about cryptocurrency trading and at night yeah entertaining guests and friends at my place so yeah that's how i got into crypto and yeah so i came to vietnam to do like fnb and nightlife but then ended up in crypto and uh, i think like uh, that's the best decision i made because crypto is here to stay, right? For sure, and I, and I love that story. It's uh, full of rich characters. You got Barack Obama, and you got yeah. Ken in there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's nice that your journey into crypto started from an actual need. Yeah. Right? It was something that was actually useful to you, and you used the technology, and here you are now. So. Yeah, so back then the use case for crypto was really like a store of value and uh, moving funds uh, around within like a third party and you being your own boss about your own finances. So I thought that was the future and now crypto has evolved with, uh, yeah, of course, like Ethereum and uh, everything. Yeah, so yeah. I, I definitely agree. It's been a crazy, crazy um, decade. Uh, I, I first heard about Bitcoin in 2013. And you know, back then, there wasn't wow. any Ethereum or smart contracts, right? And then now when you look at the space, it's just crazy, the use cases out there. Which brings us to, arguably, in my opinion, and I think it's yours too, wow. the best use case. Yes, uh, I was part of Mt. Gox. Wow. So, so why are you sitting here talking to me then? You should be on an <laughs> island uh, sipping on margaritas. Or something. Well, I didn't hold any coins. So. Uh, okay. okay, okay, okay. So Not too late. Not too that's late. What, it's still early. Never too late. Never, never too, too late. late. Never too late. And in fact, never at a more apt time where in the space at a very exciting time blockchain gaming is arguably the most interesting and quite possibly the use case that brings mass adoption of blockchain technology to the world so you guys are building one of the most anticipated games out there cypher can you tell us more about it yeah sure so Cypher started like uh, exactly one year ago when Din, our CEO, founder, and world architect had the idea about like creating this game, 
like with mobile controls, like a game that was missing one year ago, like in the space, like back then, we were looking for a blockchain game to play. And for us as passionate gamers, there was not a lot out there, like mostly like uh, clicker games or farming games or like turn-based games, but no games like uh, we really like, like action-packed and with life controls. So yeah, that's how we got the idea, like creating like Cypher, which is like uh, a game consisting of two game modes. We start with like the PvE Corp Dungeon Crawler game mode first. So that means like you can play together with two friends or so two random people and fight mobs through like maps and uh, collect loot and then upgrade your character and everything. So play together. And the second game mode will be like the PvP mobile battle arena, like something uh, like Pro Star, Smash Legends, or uh, Super Smash Brothers, but like uh, 3D and like a top view style. And yeah, more like a casual approach, like uh, nothing crazy like traditional MOBAs that take maybe up to one hour often. Like uh, a match can take like longer than one hour even. And uh, you have to be very coordinated and you have to memorize like uh, all characters, all the skills, all items, and then all these uh, uh, these macro elements like map awareness and laning and towers and all that. We want to keep it casual and we think like it really fit like uh, the current space. So yeah, that's the idea about our game. Got it. So it starts off as a top-down action shooter, and you're going through dungeons, clearing, doing raids with your friends, eventually moving on to a lighter version of mobile like um, Smash Brawl, right? Yep. Got it. Okay. So are there any interesting or upcoming developments, something exciting that you'd like to share with the community? Yeah, sure. Like uh, how I describe our game, and many people will think, oh, okay, I've heard it before. So same old, same old. But what we really want to create, like as passionate gamers, is like to create like a game that's really fun to play. So we are tending more towards like play and earn instead of play to earn. So you can earn by, okay, of course, like playing uh, regularly, casually. Don't have to be the best, but you can also earn by being competitive and. Uh, ranking high up in our like leaderboards like daily, weekly, monthly or, or tournaments and all that or uh, unlock like uh, more game features and uh, boss raids, join a guild and have uh, the guild raids and all that. So we want to offer more to the gamers like like what's currently out there. Like basically like what other traditional games, especially uh, MMORPGs are offering. So that's what we want to do, but on the blockchain. So... To make it like not as boring as like um, and repetitive like uh, most games, so we also have like uh, randomly generated dungeons. So whenever you play, uh, it will be a different layout. So you, you don't know what's around the corner. And also we include like uh, roguelite elements. So every run should be different, and every strategy should be different as well. Sorry, God, I think that that's my dog. Like... <laughs> <laughs> One second. Yeah. That's, that's okay. No problem. I've got a dog as well. Yeah, that's my Inu there. <laughs> <laughs> Real life NFT. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. It sounds like you guys, you guys have a lot in the pipeline, a very exciting roadmap. I need to ask, what is the grand vision of Cypher? 
Wow, the grand vision of Cypher. Okay, the grand vision of Cypher is like um, after our two game modes, create like this really like open world uh, uh, called Sephiria, and it's similar like a like a metaverse where everyone can ha- hang out. Not only like Cypher fans, but also like we're open like to other projects and metaverses, just like to create like a cool hangout place where you can hang out with your friends. And it might not be like Cypher place, but they're like uh, fans of. What apes or cool cats, for example, hang out, um, socialize with each other, and also like uh, participate in. Okay, here's a leak. Some of our mini games, party games, like uh, similar to, not as uh, extensive uh, like a uh, Mario Party, but something in that direction we have planned as well. So it should be like a fun game for everyone, not only like, for people who like like fighting each other or fighting in general. But also like uh, okay, like like to hang out like in a space uh, with other people, other friends, and other projects, and share whatever they want to share, like a cool hangout space. So that's our grand vision, and suitable like for ages from young to old, and yeah, no no limits there. In the true spirit of Web three, it's a, it sounds like a very community first approach to building the game. That's fantastic. Lately, I've been claiming some drops on Etherlab, Etherlabs. Yeah. Can you tell us more about Etherlabs? Yeah, sure. So Etherlabs is our game studio. So Cypher is built under Etherlabs, and that also means that Etherlabs uh, in the near future will most likely like publish like more projects. So it doesn't have to be like everything around Cypher, but, but of course, like Cypher is our first and main focus. But later on, we can do like some spin-offs on the Aether Labs as well. So that's the idea. So that's why we created a studio. So to later on, like expand uh, not only the Cypher universe, but also like uh, other ideas we have. I like, I love that. It's, um, it's very in line with what's the trend right now with blockchain games. I, I read about this article from Navik where they mm, said that... Navik. It, it won't really be a metaverse, but more on a microverse where individual publishers will have their own world and your NFT can be played in different games from this publisher. Is, is that what you guys are trying to do? Um, not directly, for, because like our team is quite big and we have like a lot of creative talent. We don't want like to limit them like, okay, we build like this uh, mobile control uh, top view action game, action RPG game. But also, like, later on, like, okay, let them, like, be creative and come up with ideas. Okay, maybe, okay, we want to do a third-person shooter, Battle Royale. Or, okay, we want to go more transmedia, like, focus more on comics, animation, and all that. And we want to be flexible with that. So that's why, like, uh, we hire. Like uh, besides the cipher game, building like more products, and it doesn't have to be like all like about game focus. We uh, we have like really good like uh, blockchain developers as well, and like people participating in our like uh, public token sale for the cipher token have have seen that we uh, wrote like a smart contract from scratch, like a very uh, unique model that's not uh, on the market. And yeah, we just like to build stuff, and yeah, always like to hear from other people. 
the what they, they really like what we built and always ask like if they can use it and then we think about yeah maybe we should build not only for ourselves but for others as well in the near future yeah i can attest to the fact that you guys love to build um because you guys did a public race on your own website didn't you yeah yeah and we didn't use like any third-party <laughs> launchers that's that's impressive because um we're we're about to do our token launch auction in the 26th and you guys having having pulled off something like that is just amazing you guys built that so wow props to you guys thanks yeah of course it comes like with a lot of responsibility of course if you use like a service if something goes wrong you can blame them but if you do it yourself you don't do it the right way it's all on you but we, we are very confident and we have like a lot of good talent and yeah. So we are all about like security and everything. So that's why we did it ourselves. Okay. The game demo. When is it coming out? Okay. So in our roadmap, you can uh, see that we uh, launched like a game demo, like April to June, like in that time frame. Actually, we are about like to have it but for our investors first, because we want like for um, the broader mass, like for the NFT holders to have like a more polished version and also like with more features uh, included. So that's why like we launched like the playable demo. It's like a pre-alpha technical playtest officially. So according to the roadmap, so from July to September, we will have like a, Label demo like for more people where you can really like try out like the the multiplayer part and everything. So that's coming soon. So please be patient with us. But I'm sure you will see some uh, gameplay footage soon in the coming weeks, and of course like a new trailer. Oh, for sure. Good things take time, right? This demo yeah. will be. Correct me if I'm wrong. It will be available to Genesis holders of the NFTs. Not this month. The demo for the Genesis holder, the MVP, will be available like uh, July till September. Got it. So only the Genesis holders first, and then everybody else. Yeah, and after that, like uh, after testing the game with uh, simulating like the game economy and everything, we re-roll everything back, and then hopefully launch like uh, the official launch of the Cipher PVE game mode in October for everyone to play in. And earn, of course, with blockchain integrated. Got it. Okay. Um, before we move on to the next section, um, I just want to remind everyone that we are still accepting community questions over in our Discord. Uh, stand by as well as we will be bringing volunteers up on stage. And let's take a quick two-minute break as we bring our second guest over. So stand by, everyone.
Okay. Joining us now is Sam from Metalcore. Um, w- welcome, Sam. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. And uh, thanks for having me on, on this uh, Twitter Spaces broadcast. Excited to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure, sir. Um, when we started this uh, Twitter Spaces, I mentioned to our listeners that Cypher was actually our very first game investment. And interestingly enough, Metalcore was our second ever <laughs> investment. So this is a very interesting and exciting Twitter spaces for me. It brings me back to when we were first starting off. Welcome. Glad to have you here. Let's start off with some introductions. Sam, why don't you please introduce yourselves to our audience? Yeah, well, well first, I'm glad to hear that we're the second investment. That's actually quite... Uh, quite an honor to be the second investment from Breeder Death. So uh, that's something to be for, for us to remember. Yeah, so my name is Sam Kim. Um, I've been in the as an entrepreneur in the tech space for some time now. In the past, it was largely in the advertising technology space. And uh, from there, I worked ended up working with a lot of gaming companies, um, both as like kind of providing the monetization solutions for their mobile games, uh, but also as like an advisor and investor in the space just because of you know, I'm very passionate about gaming, and um, while I'm not personally a game developer, I just always appreciate what they do. Uh, I enjoy being part of that creative process, and so I always kind of look for ways to get more involved with them. Um, 2017 came around when smart contracts were just, you know, getting more and more popular. I started building in the blockchain, started a advertising technology company called Lucidity back in 2017 that brings transparency to uh, digital advertising via a smart contract and shared ledger. That ultimately led me to starting uh, working with a uh, core group at Umbrella Network, which is a um, layer two Oracle. And then more recently, about nine months ago, a, a studio called Studio 369 that I am an investor in approached me about this blockchain gaming idea. Um, and it was that around the same time that you know YGG and you know Axie were really taking off, and their game design was very much like focused with guilds in mind, not just like the fact that uh, there's a scholar model, which obviously is important, right? Like the game does have a scholarship model, but it'll really allow for like interesting gameplay where you align yourself with a faction or a guild in the game and. Um, to, you know, join and work together, to earn together, play together. Like, it was a really interesting design that they came up with. And so for the last nine months or so, we've been actively building this game. Well, first designing the game, building the game, and ultimately we'll eventually market the game. But I'm really excited about what we built. For those of you who don't know, it is a um, PvP-based, like 50v50 guild-based game. We're using giant mechs, tanks, and aircraft, like... I don't know about you guys, but I grew up loving those kind of series of games. Uh, loved the whether it's the Gundam series or you know um, Mech Warriors, which was kind of the more popular theme games here in the West. In the West, um, and so yeah, we're really excited about the game, and I can't wait for uh, the Breeder Dow community to join and learn more. Fifty versus fifty sounds crazy. Reminds me of those. <laughs> hectic um, guild wars and the old MMORPGs back then. That sounds exciting. That's what we're working forward towards. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. It, 
it's going to be a blast playing the game. Since you um, presented an NFT NYC, you mentioned that it will initially be a first-person shooter, right? Are, are there any developments to the roadmap or any um, changes to the overall vision for the gameplay since then? Yeah, so, you know, we have a core set of NFTs that we're building or designing. And, you know, so we have some incredible artists working on it, including a, guy, a gentleman named Stefan Martinier, who's uh, worked on some of the top, like, theatrical releases, like Star Wars 1 and 2, Star Trek, you know, Suicide Squad. And then gaming space, he's been, he was the uh, lead artist behind Elder Scrolls, uh, Doom, and he's a Magic the Gathering artist. So, like, really cool-looking NFTs. Around that, we ultimately want to build a number of experiences, um, whether it's an MMO, you know, a turn-based strategy or whatever, what have you. Our first game is a first-person first shooter, like you mentioned, and it is in the, in the Faction war style, like 50v50 um, uh, warrior-based combat game. You know, we are first going to, well, we, when we looked at our release schedule, we wanted to focus on uh, PVE first. Right? We wanted to get players in the free-to-play mode to come in and get a taste of the game and try it out before making the larger commitment, whether that is to join a guild and become a scholar or purchase an NFT and bring into the game themselves. And so uh, we're right now really focused on the PVE mode, which, is, which we'll release in August. It'll be to kind of the select members of the Genesis Mint and slowly by after that, we'll introduce additional mints and we'll introduce opportunities for other people to play the game besides the holders of the first 10,000 NFTs. So August, we'll have um, a rollout of PVE. We'll increase, you know, we'll take, let's call that an alpha or a public alpha. And from there, we'll go to a beta a couple of months thereafter. And ultimately, we'll have the full release, including all of the... Uh, PvP guild-based mechanics uh, at the end of the year. Awesome. Um, I ask, I'm about to ask you the same question that I asked Alan from Cypher. And, you know, you guys are planning to build all of these game genres around your NFTs. Uh, what is the grand vision of Metalcore? Uh, the grand vision is to make sure people have a lot of fun playing this badass game. I mean, that, that ultimately, that's what it comes down to, right? Like, we want to create great experiences for the players um, and for them, and multiple touch points for them to engage. So, you know, first release of the game will be a you know fifty v fifty PC based game. Uh, we want to ultimately lower the barrier to entry uh, first on the PC, so that's like lower spec reg, uh, rigs. And then ultimately, we want to build, you know, mobile uh, first start off with a companion app and, and then ultimately build, you know, full-fledged apps because we, we want to put this into the hands of, you know, as many people as possible uh, so that they can enjoy this, right? And second, from there, you know, be, uh, give them the opportunity to um, kind of evolve and grow their NFTs to become more powerful, more to have more utility in the game. Uh, second, to be able to upgrade and, and, and anticipate like changes in the market and um, you know, ultimately earn uh, both play, contribute, and earn with the game. Got it. And that's key. The key is to create a game that people love to play 
and then they can think about the blockchain part second, right? As long as you attract those core set of gamers who are willing to part time, efforts, and some financial exposure to the game, I think that's all you need, right? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it has to start with the game being truly enjoyable and fun, and me, you know, myself and everybody else out there, like, during the limited free time we have, getting some sort of enjoyment from sitting at our desk, uh, turning on our rigs and play and spending, you know, several hours playing the game. And so it does start with that and we'll build the economy around it. Um, but it all starts with a fun game that we all want to play regardless of whether or not there's an earning mechanic in there. Um, and we'll put, I mean, don't get me wrong. We absolutely have a great, uh, mechanical earning um, and our earning is very much designed for you to achieve with your guild uh, but it does have to start with it being a great in our case you know, a, ba- a badass game okay moving on to our next topic we're going to talk about game economies now you guys I'm sure are both experts on this. Cypher, you just released um, this amazing medium post. It was also a notion about the three-part economy. Uh, about three weeks ago, I believe you released that. And then Sam, you said you were um, you used to do monetization for games. So these are things that you guys are very much, very much experts on and in tune with. Can you tell us more? about the NFT generation or upgrading mechanisms in your games? Alan, maybe you can start off. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, first of all, hi, Sam. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Um, yeah, about our um, or cloning, crafting, upgrading mechanisms. So um, let's start off with our NFT characters. So like uh, most people have seen already, we had like two... Uh, NFT collection launches like the Inu and the Neko, the dog and the cat character. And uh, everyone knows already our third race upcoming, which is the Buru, the bull character. And all races have like four sub races. So these three are already finalized and we have like four more in the making four races. So that means like 16 sub races more. So with that the amount of like uh, races and sub races, so people like uh, being able like to clone these sub races uh, to give like other players like the chance to buy them off and like start out right away like with a uh, sub race they really like we think like um, that's like a very attractive thing for a lot of players to get started with like a character you really like that uh, really um, fits your style so to say and uh, other upgrade mechanism is of course like uh, we have like a lot of equipment gear not only the character but for us right now we have like a headgear body armor legs like pants their shoes and arms like gloves and of course a weapon and uh, for weapon variety we will have like a lot and uh, these weapons they come like in different styles different rarities like uh, you're already used to like in RPGs like common uncommon and so on but uh, also like um with differentiation so maybe your uncommon like uh, your crafted uncommon is not like the same like someone else upgraded uncommons because we uh, put in some mechanism that uh, make these uh, uh, pieces these items like more unique 
And um, yeah, what we uh, want to do is like really like encouraging players like to upgrade and craft and just like to uh, progress and uh, get their characters and everything stronger to unlock like more content and have more fun in the end. So that's the plan. Awesome. How about how about you guys, Sam? Can you share a little bit about your economic model or economic yeah, design? Yeah. Obviously, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about this. We started thinking about this nine months ago uh, when we first started. Like, how are we going to build a sustainable economy? And you know, having a team of uh, senior game developers who've been at this for 20 plus years uh, really helps. They you know, span the industry from like traditional PC gaming to console and then mobile, right? And so they have experience in all these areas and that's been tremendously helpful. But um, for us, it really starts with data, right? Like it's like, what data are we going to collect? What data are we going to expose to the public so that they can make, you know, intelligent decisions? So as an example, like we're working on creating a data warehouse. Uh, well, first we have to put in all the hooks within the game to make sure we're collecting all of the relevant data, right? How granular do we want to make that data collection? You know, we have to balance that. So we're starting with that, and then we're looking at like what data do we expose to the public so that they can make the right decision. So, so we're like you know, the game, you know, like most uh, hardcore kind of blockchain games, it is going to be largely centralized. And so, how do we expose this centralized data so that people can run queries and look at the value of the entities in the open marketplace? see which entities are performing well and anticipate, make, make strategic decisions. So first it's like putting the data hooks in there and then empowering the community with that data as well. So that's one part. Um, second part is the NFTs. You know, we, do, we are doing uh, Genesis Mint um, right after the next upcoming NFT NYC. So we felt like since we introduced the game at the uh, last NFT NYC, we thought this one would be a great place where we can start doing our first mint. And so look for that at the end of June. Um, but with that, you know, for, for us, we have a mechanism where the NFTs are merged in order to be upgraded. Like, like many other games, um, we have NFTs that are common, uncommon, rare, and legendary, right? So legendary, there may only be one to five ever minted, but common might represent 60 to 65% of the existing supply. We felt like we needed levers to um, control the supply of certain mechs, whether they're common or other ones. And then second, you know, we felt that it was kind of strange for two mechs to merge and breed, uh, even though we're here on BreederDAO. We felt like it was a little bit odd for two mechanical robot, robots to have a baby. And so we decided that to, in order to upgrade, you would merge them. So you take two level ones, you merge them and you get a level two NFT. That gives us the ability to reduce the supply. We can incentivize different ways for people to uh, upgrade their max and thereby reduce the supply of certain ones, uh, or we can discourage it. We think about things like that and we think about you know the, the fact that there's a legendary NFT that's gonna be incredibly powerful. How do we restrict somebody with a ton of cash who buys legendary NFTs from going out and just taking over, the, being a dominant player in NFT? So, we introduce things like cooldown periods. So if you have a legendary mech, congratulations. If you pull it out in one of your battles, you're probably going to do quite well. But you're not going to be able to use that mech for another 8 to 10, 10 or 12 hours. Um, so that, that's, you know, we use that to balance the gameplay in addition to the economy. And then furthermore, we're looking at you know, the in-game tokens, right? Like how do we 
prevent just an explosion of runaway supply of these tokens. Um, and the way we're doing that is we're probably we're approaching that a little bit differently. Like we're working with economists that uh, have managed the economies for games like Call of Duty, uh, worked at you know some of the top mobile games. And what we're looking at right now is controlling the amount of tokens that are minted on a weekly basis so, and using kind of a multi-factor model. Um, I won't go into like all the different factors that go into it, but uh, two of the um, factors that we look at is how many tokens were burned last week, what's the growth rate of the game, and then minting a certain number of tokens based on that. So for example, this is a simplified version, but like if last week 1 million tokens were burned, and we have 25% more players than we did the week before. This week, we'll mint 1.25 million tokens and distribute that over the, over the week. That's sort of our approach to um, limiting, you know, kind of putting a control around how many tokens are minted in any given period so there's not a runaway inflation of tokens. So it's like a multitude of factors. Like the economy of a game is quite complex. When you introduce uh, fungible tokens and NFTs, it becomes even more complex. And so uh, we're constantly thinking about this and you know, these are some of the uh, solutions that we've come up with. That's interesting. So you have a uh, dynamic minting model where it adjusts accordingly to how much was burned. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's a, this is a simplified version of our model, but like it's just uh, how many tokens were burned in the previous period, growth rate of the game, you know, um, Kind of some some other like market price data things like that, um, but yes, in a nutshell, it looks at how many tokens were burned last week, and it makes some estimate about how many will be needed in the upcoming week, and then it allocates them to like the weekly prize, the daily prize, you know, and specific achievements that can happen within the game. Got it. How about in Cipher? Alan, I understand that you guys have a dual token system. Um, what are some of the tweaks that you guys are planning to roll out? Um, any particular sinks or new faucets or new set, new uh, game levers that you guys are planning to implement into your economic system? Yeah, sure. Um, I think like uh, similar with Sam, we also have like a game economist like working on our game economy and we use like a dynamic model as well. It's not like a static like, okay, like forever. Okay, if you beat uh, map X, you'll get like Y tokens every time, every time, every time. And that goes on like forever. That's not sustainable as we all have seen. So for us, like with our dual token model, so we have like Cypher token as a governance token multi-purpose governance token and our reward token which is the AFA token and for that AFA, uh, for that reward token like the major things for us will be like uh, we will need to use that like for example like to participate in tournaments like okay if you're a skillful player then you better like wager that and participate and then out of the prize pool like uh, the best players will take a piece of it and also like uh, use your AFA tokens for example like uh, if you're so close to beating like a run like, uh, for example, last end boss and yeah, you died and your teammates are dead, no revives and stuff, then you can like uh, use uh, tokens like the, to get a revive, not from us, but like uh, from like uh, the earners, like uh, someone like community crafted like uh, these revival potions that you could buy, buy off like with Afer. 
and then you have like a second chance and maybe it's worth it because like beating that boss will give you like uh more value than the cost of that uh, revival potion so we think about like a lot of things because we think like a lot of games don't have the mechanics and they lack like uh, these token things like people getting these reward tokens but there's nothing to do with them so there's no upgrading characters gear that's not even gear so how can you upgrade it with your tokens right so yeah these things are missing and these things are definitely things that we uh focus on heavily and also like the difference between, uh, between the two tokens of course like uh for for cypher tokens the governance token we want like to give the community some holding rights especially on uh, user generated content later on like okay if there's like a like a mini game to be implemented. We want like cypher stakers like uh, to vote on that. Okay, should it be implemented or not? Or for example, like user generated content, like a new skin by a, a very creative, very talented user or like a cool battle music. Uh, yeah, or like a rebalancing stuff and let the community vote. Okay, if everyone's saying like, hey, this character A is like too overpowered, it's not fun. And then we're like, oh no, we are the game developers. We know what's best, we are right. No, if we think that way, then we will lose. So that's why, like, we have like the cipher governance token to make uh, to give like the community like uh, some uh, voting rights to make these decisions. Because like, uh, uh, there's only one king, and that's a customer, right? He basically like uh, decides like uh, who's getting fired in a company by spending his money somewhere else. So that's how we approach things, and uh, that's like a very important thing to us, like listening to the community and the best way to do it is by listening to the people that have like uh, invested and have the cypher stake because they want like what's best for the game as well which is like yeah the game to perform well people to have fun and not like being frustrated funny that you mentioned um battle game music because one of my favorite games is valorant and one of my favorite skins is the skin where if you kill someone it plays this really kick-ass song. And that's something that I would definitely pay for. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, okay. a lot of so, options there. Yeah. Okay, um, you guys make the distinction between players and earners. And we're starting to see more and more games make this distinction. Um, can you tell us more? about this Alan uh, yeah sure so players and earners okay uh, a little bit of background I used to play like this one MMORPG called Ragnarok online I think like in Southeast Asia was quite popular so love like, that okay you know it of course <laughs> yeah I had like uh, two accounts like one account it was like the earner account like my blacksmith like uh, taking fees to upgrade like weapons for other players, for example, and a merchant, like putting your items in there and leave it overnight and hope that it will sell out. So that's like the earning part. And like the player part for me is like, okay, using my assassin like to kill bo bosses and stuff and get the stuff. That's the fun part. So I think like uh, both can coexist, exist. And for us, it's like the triangle, like you mentioned before. We as a developer and then the earners that like, uh, they're really like... Uh, want to trade or use, make use of the marketplace, craft items to resell them to make a profit. And the players that uh, really want these items from these earners to have more fun in the game. Maybe, okay, um, they have like uh, one character, but they don't have like a fitting gun for them. They are not 
maybe they don't like like a close up like a SMG, but then like a sniper rifle, and then like, hey, okay, I want to acquire like a sniper rifle from that one player to have more fun because that's my playstyle. So yeah, we think uh, that's the way to go. Of course, like uh, we don't know. That's uh, that's how we think. And we think like it, they all can coexist. It's not like okay, everyone is like a earner, like trying to extract uh, only value, and no one has fun playing our game. So that wouldn't work. So that's why we have this, uh, yeah, triangle. Hearing this distinction, this, this sorry, hearing this distinction between players and earners sounds eerily familiar. To the free-to-play model that has dominated the video game industry for the longest time. Sam, I know you were from this world before. What's your opinion on this? Do you think blockchain games can learn a thing or two about monetization in free-to-play games? Yeah, I think, you know, similar to free-to-play, you know, free-to-play when it first came out, um, it wasn't very well greeted by the gaming community, right? It was kind of actually kind of hated by uh, the traditional gaming community. And so now, and you're right, now it is the dominant form, right? Like everybody, it's not just like Nexon and their games that are a maple story that like break through with free to play, but now it's everywhere, it's ubiquitous. There is a lot for us to learn from it, you know? And for us, one of the things that we're taking away is one, um, things are dynamic. So it's not like somebody that goes into a free-to-play bucket is always going to be stuck in that free-to-play bucket. Um, there's going to be fluid movement. And so uh, you know, when we look at it from the uh, NFT and blockchain gaming space, somebody that is a you know, uh, contributor versus at one moment may become an earner uh, later on. So in our design, our governance token, one of the primary uses of the governance token is to align yourself with your guild. Um, so if, you're, if you, you join a landowner who has 50 players on their land, like you can um, participate with that land in earning in-game currency by one pledge, by two main ways. One is by uh, pledging your governance tokens, and the second is by performing quite well in the game. You know, if you're somebody like me who is not necessarily the greatest gamer in the world, like you may actually just, you know, use some financial means to give yourself that boost. But there may be times where I shift in and out from being somebody who's financially um, driven in, in the way I participate in my guild to one that's, you know, actually uh, looking to offload to who's upgraded my mechs and my NFTs and looking to sell. And so we kind of see like a fluid movement between the two. Uh, and we see that in a lot of free-to-play games as well. Like, if just because you're a free-to-play player, you don't always stay in the free-to-play. There may be times where you need to accelerate your gameplay or you need to contribute uh, a little more to your guild, and therefore you'll spend some, more, spend some money this time. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're learning from that, and um, you know, that's also why the, the data hooks are so important, like, so that we can understand about what motivates and drives players to behave in certain ways at different times, why somebody is a contributor one minute moment, but then earning the next uh, and vice versa. It's, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned the, uh, 
backlash when free to play first came out because right now uh, blockchain gaming and NFTs are currently facing the same sort of backlash. What do you guys think is needed from us, the guys in the industry, to turn this thing around and make the sentiment around blockchain gaming and NFTs more positive? What do you think, Alan? I think what's needed is, uh, like, looking at traditional games is really, like, to focus on the fun factor before, like, the earn factor because, like, games should be what they are, fun. So once we achieve that, I think, like, uh, everyone will see, like, okay, blockchain games, they can be fun as well. It's not, like, a DeFi product wrapped up, like, in some pictures, don't even have sound or something like that. So that's, like, one thing. And also, like, the second thing would be, like... uh, Everything has to be very, very, very easy to get into, like what people are used to from traditional games. So, okay, they want to start a new game. Okay, they create an account, log in, done. They don't want like, okay, okay, what, what, what's a wallet? How do I use it? How do I approve this, approve the, the use of the token, all that? They should all be like in background. Make it like as simple as possible for the majority. That's how you bring in like uh, the mass adoption so yeah, that's my take on it. And I think like later on, like all these uh, big game studios and publishers, they will sooner or later jump into Web3 as well. It's just like a matter of time. Of course, like right now, it's like with, uh, like Sam said, we're free to play back then. People laughed at it, like saying, okay, free to play. It will never work. And yeah, it will go away like after one year or something like that. But uh, they proved us wrong or they proved like a, all these people are wrong. And I think like blockchain game is like the same. It's following the same path because like the future will be about like, okay, you don't want like to waste like hours and hours with a game. And then all of a sudden, like the game developer decides like, oh, okay, sorry guys, but we, we shut down the game, we shut down the servers and all the time and money you spend in the game is gone. Sorry about that. I think like uh, people like like okay they want to get attached to a game and own their own assets and later on if the developer decides like okay they shut down the game but maybe they do like a follow-up game like their sequel and people can move these uh in-game items there the assets like to the new game so i think that will be the future yeah i, I how agree about with, you son you yeah i agree with a lot go of what ahead you say. um you know gamers inherently are skeptical of change, right? They've been burned in the past and I mean, not with free to play, but with other uh, things within gaming. And so they're naturally a little bit skeptical of change. And then, so I think we have to first understand where they're coming from um, and, and, and respect it, right? Like it's an honest feeling that they're having an opinion and they're concerned. Second, you know, the thing that we have been doing as an industry, you know, one, like it's been a little bit of a disservice as well. Like I've, I recently saw somebody who raised $2 million with like a six-month dev cycle, call themselves a triple-A game. Now, that's setting the expectations incorrectly. That is uh, leading us to be questioned because, you know, if you, if you call yourself a triple-A game, you should be a triple-A game. You should have a $100 million plus development cycle with three years plus of time, like. We don't call ourselves a triple K game. We think we're an incredibly high quality game, but we know that the gaming community expects something else, something incredibly well polished uh, with um, spectacular details and balanced and uh, all at, you know, at launch when you do a triple A game. We are 
a high quality game, uh, but we're going to evolve the game over time, right? And we are a bigger budget game relative to a lot of other um, NFT games, but we're not, you know, in the hundred million dollar range, right? And so, one, I think we let, let's be honest to people about what we're building, what we're going to deliver them, and I think that'll go a long way. And then the second thing is, I think we're already doing doing it, like build good games, right? Build quality games, fun games, entertaining games, games that people will play no matter what. Um, unfortunately, we're in this like period where those games aren't live yet because quality games take a long, take time to build. It takes a lot of care. It takes a lot of like examination, adjustments. Um, and so we're going to see these games coming online soon. Like I'm definitely monitoring some myself that I'm pretty excited about. But we're in this like middle in this like phase where we're transitioning from where there was this breakthrough with Axie and many of us learned so much from what they did. But in order to incorporate that into a, a new game, it takes, you know, minimum twelve, probably more like eighteen to twenty-four months to get those games out. And so I think we're doing that. We just need to um, you know, we just need to get that get those games out there. And I think they're coming pretty soon. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny how everybody just keeps throwing AAA around here and there. We're creating a AAA game. It's going to be out in six months. But, you know, AAA isn't even a real rating. It's a credit agency rating for bonds, right? And, um, <laughs> You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, we know what happened in 2008 when everybody was just AAA. So <laughs> I, I find it quite funny. Yeah, I mean, look. Okay. Some of some of my favorite games of all time are were were in AAA. Some of them were just mods, right? And so, you know, we don't. I think we we're doing a disservice by setting expectations of a AAA game when you, it doesn't have to be great games. There are tons of great games that don't fall under the moniker of AAA. Like, and some of them are my favorite. So. Okay. Do you guys see traditional game developers moving over to Web3? How do you feel about this? Alan, we can start with you. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, especially for us, like, because like, we've been very aggressive with hiring the uh, past half year. And yeah, we definitely see that switch that a lot from Web2 go to Web3. For some, it's like because of the monetary benefits. Of course, you get like... Uh, like uh, they're high in demand, maybe they get like a higher salary or they get like some uh, tokens uh, in the future. But also for some, it's like about like joining some the new wave, like something new, like what they be, uh, believe in, like the future of Web3 compared to Web2. They've been doing Web2 their whole life and now see this opportunity with Web3 and they think, like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. And uh, yeah, with such a monetary benefits, like uh, I really like to jump uh, make the switch to what I believe will be the future instead of like uh, keep living in the past how about you Sam um, do you think the big boys are coming so I see it every day you know like uh, my friends from the you know I've been attending gaming conferences like GDC since you know 2011 2012 and so many of my friends who I've you know been in touch with throughout the past ten years that they 
many of them are making the jump, right? Many of them really see this as an opportunity to create like a genre-defining game, which is what like every true like game developer wants. They want to create that like genre-defining game, and they see this disruption as that opportunity. So you take the Studio 369 that we're working on, working with. These are traditional game developers who have 20 years. The senior folks there have 20 plus years of experience. They were executive producers at Activision for Mech Warriors series. They were uh, lead engineers for Com- Mortal Kombat and Midway Games, and you know just a lot of traditional games. And they're the ones that came to me, right? They're the ones that had this great idea of uh, a faction-based 50 v 50 game that uses like play and earn mechanics. Um, and so I'm seeing it every day, and I. You know, and, and that's why I'm so excited to see the games that are coming up because now you're seeing these like teams of traditional gamers combining with uh, some friends that they've worked with or know uh, quite well who are from the blockchain and crypto space. And together they're like collaborating to uh, move this industry forward and to create that genre defining game. And, you know, I really, obviously, I, I think that Metal Mortal, uh, Metal Core is that genre defining game. And so, we're really excited, and that's what drives us, right? More than anything, it's the opportunity to change gaming and make and move it forward in a positive way together. So, yeah, I think they're, it's already happening, uh, and the big studios will follow suit. Like they're they're digging around, they're exploring, they're you know, and once they and, but they work on longer time budgets, longer um, timelines. So we will see them coming soon. Yeah, and um, given the long development cycles of these games, you know they're probably going to be here in the next two, three, four years, right? Some are saying that this era will be the golden age for indie blockchain game developers like you guys. So you guys are striking while the iron is hot. Um, you guys feel the same way? Oh, 100%. I mean, this is an incredible opportunity because uh, not only is there a disruption in the market in terms of the NFT and blockchain gaming part of it, but there's also the capital and the resources. Um, you know, we have, there's enough capital out there for a great game to get funded, and there's enough capital out there for them to do it right and not be rushed to put out a game even that isn't fully baked, that isn't quite ready for prime time. Instead, we can work on a game um, and when we release it and when we have it in the, put it into the hands of the game to, of players, you know, it can be worthy of release. And so I think the combination of like the disruption and the funding that's available out there for, for game developers is really exciting times for indie and it gives, allows for experimentation. It allows for innovation and really collaboration between uh, the crypto community and the game community. So yeah, this is super exciting times, and the games that are being uh, that I'm seeing are also incredibly exciting. Um, at least the, you know the, the designs that I've seen are quite quite um, interesting, fun, and exciting for me to to follow. Yeah, I uh, definitely agree there with Sam, and yeah, for like compared like to the big guys like you said before like 
for us, like we can be like more risky, more innovative, and have not that much pressure. Like okay, big uh, game developers, okay, they have a certain standard, like they have to achieve uh, the expectations from the from the player base. It's just like really, really high. They can't like do like a misstep. So for indie game developers, like a building like the very first game. And yeah, uh, of course, like uh, it's risky as well. It can fail as well, of course. But it's really like okay, they got the funding from a lot of people that believe in the project. So it comes like from community as well. And the community has like a saying, like uh, which direction the game could go. Like uh, yeah, some um, decision making, like from the players themselves. Like with uh, with the big big studios, of course, they they build like a game that they think like okay, the players will like. But like with uh, blockchain games, um, yeah, some games are built like uh, what the community already know they will like. So I think like uh, that's a good chance like for indie game developers like us, and we don't follow like uh, too strict of uh, like uh, deadlines like these big uh, game publishers because we don't have like uh, traditional shareholders that expect like okay revenue for this quarter and stuff like that. So yeah, we have more freedom in what we do. And I think it's a good thing. It brings like more innovation to the space, and maybe like uh, yeah, there will be like a new new genre born, even that uh, maybe later the big companies will copy as well. Yeah, I mean, exciting I, times. I couldn't agree more about you know listening to the community and being kind of an agile developer uh, while re- responding to the feedback from the community, and that is something that's very unique uh, for. That only that indie game developers can do, whereas the large AAA studios generally don't respond that way. Um, and so, you know, obviously in crypto, we're built, we're good at building communities, we're good at listening to community, and so um, we combine that with the independent games development uh, capabilities and mindset. Like, we're going to make you know some uh, incredible games coming out soon. Most definitely, crypto is all about community, all about decentralization. And you guys are Web3 native. You've got a solid shot at, you know, creating these really, really good games before these big publishers get here. So it's very exciting. I personally am very excited for both of your games. Um, It's time to ask some questions from our community. So we've come to that part of our show. First question from our Discord from Philip Hon S, number 5485, question for Alan of Cypher. Once the Cypher marketplace will be implemented, will there also be a layer two wallet similar to the Ronin network? Um, yeah, our goal is like to build our own sidechain, like similar to Ronin, because uh, for us, like we believe that we will have a lot of transaction going on, like uh, like every day, and we don't want to have like a network that will be clogged up, like uh, with too many dApps. So, like I come, like okay, like I said before, like I started crypto in 2017, and I went through the crypto kitties phase. Where like uh like for half a day like the film network was like just like unusable because like all these people were like uh, uh doing their things with the crypto kitties so we want to avoid that and like uh, what I said before like uh, really for us it's important like that the traditional gamers feel like they, uh, they play a blockchain game 
like similar like to a tradition game. It's super smooth, frictionless experience, and yeah, no hiccups there. So yeah, that's like uh, the focus we have. Awesome, thank you for that, Alan. We have somebody up on stage right now. Name is Web3 Nemosin. I hope I pronounced your name right. Uh, Web3 Nemosin, what would you like to ask? Uh, hello. Hello. Yes, um, we can hear you, sir. Okay, perfect. Um, so, hi. Uh, my name is Jeric, and I'm currently leading a micro guild base in the Philippines. And I'd like to address this question to Sir Allen of Cipher. Yep. Hey, Jared. Um. So, as I understand, uh, you plan to sell blueprints to the earners, or otherwise known as uh, breeders, in your ecosystem. Um. Are these blueprints limited to in quantity and re and are resellable, similar to Space Misfits, or do you have other plans for it? Uh. Blueprints will be like uh, tradable as well, and for us, it's like we don't want like to uh, like create like items that uh, consume wills that play, uh, play uh, buy directly from us. We don't know like if there's demand for that or not. It's up like to earners to decide like what they think like okay what the market demand is, and may the best earners like uh, go into that direction and uh, profit the most from that. And they really have like to study the market. Okay, what's lacking in the market? What's like high in demand? What do these players really need? And that they focus their shift like on crafting these items. So yeah, for the uh, blueprints, like how to achieve them and everything, we will like uh, have more on that like at a later stage. But uh, like the general idea is like, okay, we don't want like, okay, the player died. And then like we ask him like with a countdown, hey, do you want to pay Cypher like a 100 a like to get revived? Something like that, yeah. We don't want to go that way. We want to leave that up to the community, to the earners. Okay, if they see like there's like demand for these items, then they should craft it. Does that answer um, your question? Um. Yes. Uh. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh. Breeder Dao, as well as uh, Cipher and Metalcore. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you, Nemosen. We've got another speaker up on stage who wants to ask a question. Alexis, take it away. Hi, guys. Great talk. Um, so this question is for Mr. Sam Kim for, from Metalcore. So, yeah, um, I was wondering, will there be only one planet or will there be multiple planets players can buy land from or to, like, get to fight or like f or get or like fight resources oh thank you for the question um so right now we're going to be start releasing some nfts in the form of the for the lore of the game so what is the backstory where you know uh, are we going with the game what is this planet cleveros and um what does the future hold and so i don't want to reveal too many secrets around that but right now what it is is that uh, there will be a bunch of like hex plots of land available within the game uh, available for every guild and every um, both professional and non-professional guild to buy it in order to uh, put together their team and it's going to be quite large uh, so there will be plenty of opportunities to buy land and as the game economy grows like 
will we be exploring additional planets in order to expand this universe? Very real possibility, uh, but I don't want to reveal this, the the story behind the game too much because those are those are things that we're releasing in the future. But uh, we are committed to making sure that people who want to form guilds and be landowners have that opportunity to do so and not have to put that, not have to uh, be crypto whales in order to achieve that. I hope that kind of hints at the answer without giving away the answer. Uh, no, yeah, thank you so much. That was really exciting stuff. Awesome. Are you good, Alexis? Uh, yes, that's it. Um, more than answered my question. Looking forward to all of it. All right, thank you, Alexis. Okay, next up, we've got CryptoDaddy.ust. CryptoDaddy, what do you have for us? Hello, guys. So my my question is for Cypher. Uh, hey, Daddy. Okay. Um, where do we expect to see the Cypher project in the short term at, at some point in this 2022? And uh, can you tell us your long-term goals? In the next 6 to 12 months, what features will you roll out that will make you stand out among your competition? Okay, for 2022, so like I mentioned earlier, so the official game launch like in October, hopefully, and the PvP won't be ready by this year. That will come like uh, hopefully early next year. So with our PvE game mode, we really want to create like a game loop that's really exciting for players and not non-repetitive. And of course, like the co-op gameplay should be really exciting where you can play with other people because like now... Uh, like uh, right now, like a lot of games are missing that aspect, like the multiplayer aspect. So we hope like people will like it and they join like rooms, play together instead of playing all solo. But but of course, if you want to play solo, it's it's also possible. It's just like a playing together. It's better, and we encourage that. And maybe we give like better incentives if play, people show off like okay, play like with other people and be like a good team member, so everyone earns more. And uh, in the next 12 months, so besides the second game mode, the PvP game mode, with, that would take like a lot of balancing, of course. And of course, like as a live service game, we will like uh, uh, publish like a lot of like new updates and content. Not only the characters, like I said before, the four new character, uh, the races, four new races that are in line with four, four sub races, but also like more worlds. So we already have like uh, six worlds like uh, named and everything and the first two worlds are basically done so we will work on that and of course like the additional features like um, the guilds the guild system okay if you are in a guild what can you do and what do you get and also like uh, not only the free player at one time mode but also like a boss rate where we will test like uh, stretch test like uh, servers and playability like how many players can be there at once like to fight like a big world boss for example and of course like uh we created our game with esports in mind and streaming so we want to move more towards the direction as well and hope like once the pvp game mode is out and balancing is good we can have like the first tournaments not, not only like online but the real uh physical tournaments like you know like you've seen like from other esports titles and uh yeah hopefully it will be ex an exciting experience for everyone 
Wow, that, that's a solid roadmap. Uh, I'm looking forward to your upcoming launches. Thank you. Okay, guys, we are going into our final question. This is from our community over at Discord. Question is for Metalcore. This question is from Paul OMA number 2201. Given as a founder, you have had extensive experience or success in traditional gaming. What do you think is needed for traditional gamers to embrace gaming in Web3? Any catalysts or changes you think are needed for adoption? Yeah, so I, well, first, thank you for the question, Paul. Um, I guess, you know, I think we talked this, touched on this earlier, and, we, and, and Alan alluded to this as well. Um, we are doing a lot of things that need to happen in order for mass adoption by, traditional, by the traditional gaming community. You know, we're building a great game. Like, we're, you know, Alan is, we are, a number of other studios are working on building just fun, engaging games. Uh, that are that incorporate play and earn, play and contribute uh, models, and so that's happening. And at the same time, we're all as a community. And I talk to other game, other blockchain game develop developers and executives, and trying to figure out how do we make this onboarding thing a little easier. Because let's face it, like you need to have today the way uh, it it is quite difficult. There's quite a lot of friction in order to get started as a earner in blockchain gaming. And so how do we reduce that friction and or how do we increase the motivation uh, to go through that process? And so, you know, we talked, uh, Alan talked about the wallet experience, right? And I couldn't agree more. Like you don't need, you should not need a wallet to get started in a game. And so for us, it's, you log in with your email-based player account. Uh, you get to play in a PVE uh, mode so that you get a feel for the game. You get a sense of what the gameplay loop is, what is the mechanics of the game. And, and only then when you've like been able to get a taste and craft an NFT or find a blueprint, et cetera, where, you know, you're, where you're motivated enough to then go set up your wallet. And, and get started in the, in the contribute and the earning part of the game. Second part is like, how do, you know, how do we eliminate or reduce some of the frustrations that you know, we all have with blockchain, right? I mean, we've all experienced you know, network congestion. We've, we've suffered from failed transactions, uh, inordinately expensive gas fees, right? And so, and imagine multiple tokens, you know, you have your native token, whether you're on ETH or Polygon or Avalanche or whatever uh, network you're on, managing that local token uh, as well as your the in-game currency token, it's just a lot of obstacles for uh, traditional gamers uh, for them to get started in this space. And so how do we reduce that? And I think there are some interesting things that are being uh, developed right now, uh, including like gasless transactions or uh, wallets that's subsidize the gas fees in order to, and and don't require the native tokens um and then we'll we're going to see developments on side chains like edge network or subnets on avalanche those are all going to enable some of those things so it's a bit of a long-winded way to say um we need to make 
the onboarding process much easier and eliminate a lot of friction out there. And then second, I think we're doing it. We're making it, we're making good games. People are making great games for blockchain right now. Uh, it's just, they it, it just haven't been released yet. So I think those two combinations that the combination of those two things is what's important. Awesome. Thank you for that answer, Sam. I hope that answered your question, Paul. Uh, before we are, wrap things up i'd like to remind everyone especially our community that we will be having our token launch auction on the 26th to the 29th this will be your first opportunity to get breed tokens and become part of the dow so don't forget it's going to be on copper launch mark your calendars alan sam it's been an absolute pleasure having you guys here it was a fantastic talk i wish we'd go longer but time's up thank you guys thank you and good yeah, luck next week Jeff. yeah good luck with the launch thank you guys